Welcome to Life School Series 2, Bumps and Babies. As I record this today, I am currently 23 weeks and 4 days pregnant with my first baby, which I'm so excited to share I now know is a little girl. I'm still in the process of recording this series, and my plan was to start releasing episodes once I'd finished recording with all my wonderful guests. However, in light of the current global situation with coronavirus, recording for now is on hold. So I've decided to share with you the episodes I've recorded so far over the past couple of months. I know many of us are currently self-isolating at home with lots of time on our hands, so what better time to listen to your favourite podcasts or perhaps discover some new ones? As a first-time mum, pregnancy, birth and babies is a whole new world for me and I personally want to educate myself as much as I can before my little one arrives. From positive birth stories, information on hypnobirthing, water births, c-sections, baby massage and more, I hope throughout this series I can shed some light on just some of the areas you may be worried about or even just intrigued about. Thank you to all the incredible birth workers and women who have made this series possible so far and thank you so much for listening. Welcome to another very special lockdown bonus episode of Bumps and Babies. My guest today is Leanne Hogan, charge midwife at Alzara Hospital here in Dubai. It was an honour to speak to Leanne not only about her journey to becoming a midwife, but also her personal experience of being a key worker during these unprecedented times. Just a small disclaimer for any mums-to-be that may be listening. We recorded this episode in lockdown on the 18th of May, so the changes in the hospital policies due to coronavirus that Leanne refers to during our conversation may no longer be relevant when you are listening to this episode. Policies and protocols may vary hospital to hospital as well, so for the latest updates at your hospital during this time, please do contact them directly or speak with your doctor. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with the amazing Leanne. Happy listening! Leanne, welcome to Life School. Hi, hi, how are you? Thank you for having me, I really appreciate it. Good, I'm so glad you can join me today because I know you are so busy. So honestly, thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, I want to start by talking about your journey to becoming a midwife. So can you talk us through how did you get to where you are today? Um, It's a bit of a long story, really. Um, I left school at 16. I sort of thought and I wanted to work. I wanted money. I'd done okay at school. Um, GCSE wise but then I left and I actually got a job in a a telesales company selling mobile phones to businesses and I got sacked after about six months because I was always messing about and I wasn't very good at sales basically I'd end up chatting to the people and not get the sale but I'd have a great laugh and (laughs) it's (laughs) that was the top and bottom I'm not gonna lie and um, I came from quite a, a, an affluent area of Liverpool and I moved to a very poor area when I, when I left school because my parents sort of said, if you don't do it our way, you do it your own way and we're not supporting you. And I was that strong-headed and strong-willed. Right, that's fine, I'll move out. So I moved to quite a poor area and then I got I, I went into this, this telesales job which didn't last long and I got sacked and I remember just one day I was sat there and 
no disrespect to anybody, but I was, everybody used to come out and sit on the street and just basically just chat all day and not do much all day. And, and I was sort of getting into that rut and I thought, this is good. I was looking at generations, like um, three and four generations and mm-hmm. the whole three and four generations were just doing the exact same. And I just, they were amazing people, don't get me wrong, they'd do anything for you, you could knock at the door, they'd help you, they'd give you the last pound, If they, I know we're in AED, but they'd give you the last pound, they'd give you sugar, they'd give you bread, anything, they were fabulous people, but I just sat there one day and I just thought, I don't want this to be my whole life, it's, yeah. it's not what I want for my whole life, so... I I was estranged from my family because my parents were that strict. They really literally sort of said, you're on your own. You've chose this. We will. Ha- we would have helped you the whole way, but you've chose to not go to college. You've chose not to stay at school. So you're on your own, learn the hard way. But now I'm quite glad because I was a little bit spoiled as well. And it made me it made me a better person it made me appreciate the value of money and working hard for what you need and i went from having the best designer clothes to literally the shoes falling off my feet that's that was the complete the, the comparison it was that drastic so one day i was just sat there and i thought I don't want this for the rest of my life. I want to make a difference. I want to. I want to make a difference in people's lives. So I actually enrolled. At, I think I was about seventeen, eighteen. I walked down to the. That was how how much money I didn't have. I actually walked down to the local college, and signed up for. Um, A-levels, it was the equivalent as A-levels in health and social care and I always thought what do I want to do if I'm going to work for the rest of my life, it's got to be something that really excites me and I really want to put my heart and soul into and throughout my whole life as a child I always remember being fascinated with pregnancy. If there was ever a pregnant woman, I was right over there. I was feeling her stomach. I was asking, could I speak to the baby? Could I feel the baby kick? And that was from a really young age. So when I went and enrolled at the college and they said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a midwife. They, they actually laughed. They laughed out loud. And they said, the chances of that is very, very slim. Um, they only they were only taking on eleven midwives in each cohort in university, and there was something like three thousand applicants. Wow! So they said, yeah, that was the, that was where it was at. And they said, look, the, the the tutor actually laughed and said, you need to have a backup plan because it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. Now tell me, I can't do it. I'm going to do it. It's it drives me more and more. So the fact that she laughed and said that's not going to happen made me think watch that's going to happen I'm going to make sure that happens so I actually walked to college every day because I didn't have the bus fare and the shoes were even falling off my feet at the time Um, and I was that determined I carried on and carried on and carried on and I actually done that well in college and they ended up putting me in their their like perspective their perspective sorry you know, them like the college magazine mm-hmm. because I got the highest achieving um, results that the college had ever known. And then from there, the college then really started supporting me and they were encouraging me to apply for all the different universities. And I applied for three different universities. 
um, even as far as Bradford. So I applied to two in Liverpool, one in Bradford, and I actually got accepted in them all. I couldn't believe it. So it went from 3,000 applicants, 11 places, and I got accepted in the three different universities. So obviously I picked the closest to home. I picked um, one that was local in Liverpool, and I then went on to university, and it just I just loved every minute of it and I just thrived and went from strength to strength in university and it was the best thing I ever done and then it went from university I got um, a first class honours degree in university and even whilst I was in university they were all saying no one gets a first it's very unlikely and again tell me I can't do it I'm gonna do it so I got a first I got the highest marks in in university that anyone had got in again up until history and I'm not the most academic it was more my passion you're just so passionate about it yeah because I'm not very academic I'm actually dyslexic so for me to get a first was like unbelievable but it was because my heart and soul was in it and I lived and breathed midwifery I didn't all my friends were going out partying um, having great times I stayed in I had every textbook I was just reading reading I even stopped going to like family parties anything like that it was just me me world was midwifery and I remember even when I went to the interview they said to me midwifery is a way of life it's not a profession and I was I was happy to take that on board I was happy for that that was I, I was that passionate and that determined that I wanted to do it and I just stuck with it and the tutors at my university were so supportive I think because they seen how much energy and drive I had for what I was doing so they all we they were all behind me all the way and then I went on to apply for jobs and at the time there was no jobs available in Liverpool so I, I applied for jobs again Bradford um, Wales which is not too far from Liverpool and then they opened up jobs at Liverpool Women's which is the largest maternity hospital in Europe so I applied for there and obviously got a job and the rest was history. I was at Liverpool Women's for 12 years and I absolutely loved it. I loved the people, um, loved the work. It was hard. It was so busy because it's an NHS hospital and all the different cases were coming from all over the country because it was such a specialist hospital and we also had the largest neonatal unit in the in the country as well. So all the all the problematic pregnancies were coming and we had a fantastic fetal medicine unit so I learned so much there and I just loved every minute of it and from when you went to college to getting your first job how many how many years studying and training does it take to become a midwife I went to college for two years and to get even considered for the midwifery degree you had to get the highest marks you had to get like A's or or above A's or A stars so I've done two years at college and then I've done three years at uni but also in the middle of that I also had to I done volunteering at um, different hospitals as well you had to have so many years so many hours sorry volunteering experience just more to show that you you really wanted it and to stand out above the rest that mm. you were prepared to do anything to to get there but that volunteering was fantastic because it gave me an insight into into hospitals and how they work and it, I actually loved the volunteering as well I think I was always going to go into the the care industry mm. one way or another 
because even from 14 I worked in a care home I started off as a cleaner and I just loved the elderly the little old dears I, I used to get really <laughs> attached to them I loved them I felt like they were like my own nanny and granddad yeah and I just knew it was always from there I then went to a carer so whilst I was doing my college I was also working in care homes as a carer and I just loved it I just wanted to I love working with people and wanted to make an impact in people's lives and I thought what better way than the most precious moment of someone's life mm -hmm. I, I feel is that when they have a child and for me to be part of that I feel it's a privilege that people allow me to be part of that so it's not just a job, it's an honour, it's a privilege to be there at, the, at such a special, special moment in people's lives. And obviously in the UK, um, it's very midwife-led, um, whereas here it's slightly different. So can you explain for those people who might not know what a midwife is? Because I come across people a lot here who aren't, they haven't really heard of what a midwife is because they've either grown up here or maybe in the States or somewhere else. So what is a midwife's role so in the uk the midwife is the lead professional for um pregnancy and childbirth um they are the ones you only see a midwife if you have a low risk pregnancy if everything's nice and normal throughout your pregnancy you may never see a doctor the midwife is the expert in pregnancy and childbirth um, you, the midwife would refer to an obstetrician if there's any concerns or there's any problems and even through labour and delivery if everything is fine and there's no risk factors and everything is going to plan then you won't see a doctor. I actually worked on a midwife-led unit which is only midwives and the doctors could not come onto our unit unless they were invited and they only came when things were going wrong so that no disrespect to the obstetricians because they are amazing they save so many lives or in the uk they only came when needed they the midwives focused on the normal the obstetricians focused on the abnormal and that working together was a fantastic combination it really was so a midwife is a woman's advocate and the expert in child the childbearing continuum and the birth and labor the labor and birth of the baby the midwife is the expert so in the uk the midwife will prescribe your drugs prescribe your pain relief they'll do all your checkups they'll assess you when you come in in labor and see whether you to stay or to you to go they'll deliver your baby they'll suture you after after the birth of your baby and even postnatally if everything's nice and normal you won't see a doctor the midwife will help you with your breastfeeding they'll help they'll do the first exam of your newborn there's not even a pediatrician in the uk unless there's warrant for it so the pediatrician will only come if there's any any problems say baby may have um, passed the stool inside so we would have a pediatrician or if there was any concerns at all throughout the labor then we would have a pediatrician if there was an instrumental delivery we would have a pediatrician but if everything's nice and normal it's just midwife all the way so coming from that to dubai where things are so medicalized and the obstetrician is the lead professional it was quite hard to swallow it really was yeah so how how have your experiences compared things are very medicalized here and mm. again as a midwife you don't have that autonomy 
you don't make them decisions the doctor does but what I've found is once the doctor gets to know you and know your capabilities and know your background and your knowledge, you build up a very, a very strong relationship with the obstetrician. There's a lot of trust. So you sort of work in harmony with the obstetrician. So it, it does work. At the end of the day, it's all about a healthy mum and a healthy, healthy baby. So it doesn't matter who is leading the show, so long as there's a really good outcome at the end. That's my opinion anyway. You just work together and so long as you get the best outcome for mum and for baby, that's what we both aim to achieve. So it's been okay. It's it, it's we work together and everything seems to work fine one thing that I have found is they intervene a lot earlier here which mm -hmm. it has its pros and it's it has it, it has its pros and cons because pros the woman isn't as slogged as much there's less risk of the women bleeding because they haven't been slogged to the hat slogged for days in labor and um, it there's not that push for the vaginal birth like it is in the UK uh, so again, as I say, it has pros and cons each way. The yeah. as my, the, the main aim is healthy mum, healthy baby. That's the, that's all that matters, and that's, yeah, that's all that course. matters to me. I mean, from and not that everybody's happy and healthy. From my sort of research so far, and from speaking to other mums, it does seem here like they're much quicker to intervene and suggest things um to kind of speed up the process yes um whereas obviously in the uk um for example like due dates you know i think how, how long are you allowed to go over your due date obviously if everything is okay and normal like how how long do they give you before they go okay we need to look at our options um, they will start advising you from 42 weeks to go for induction if everything's nice and normal, but it's very maternal choice is the main aspect in the UK. The woman is given the information and then they are they make their own informed choice. So, yeah. so but that's basically like two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, so 42 yeah two, weeks. Weeks. two weeks. Whereas here, I've, 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 I've had friends who are literally sort of two days over their due date and the obstetrician's like so here are your induction options and because they don't know any different they're like oh okay sure you know off yeah. I go for my induction and it's like oh okay well what are my other options because maybe my baby just isn't quite ready yet you know I've found a lot of the women in the UK are very very well informed so they even in, they would come to you and they they know they already know what what their options are and because as well they have a lot of midwife input so the midwife is continually explaining things to them and um, giving them different things to go and research everything that the midwife advises is based so constantly updated with the latest information the latest research the latest um trials and options mm. so they come and they already know what they want and they already know what their options are so it's a little it is a little bit different here i i don't i'm not putting here down because it's fantastic it really is there's less i've noticed that there's less postpartum hemorrhage because the women aren't dra aren't, in, aren't dragged out for days and days and days they do intervene so mm. there is pros and cons with both you, you you can't say one is better than the other because as i say both have pros and cons and it de depends on the individual 
and the facilities here are incredible aren't they oh they're fantastic the rooms are like hotel rooms it's yeah beautiful. It's they really beautiful. I was I was so kind of shocked when I did my tour of Alzara with you I was just like this is like a spa this is amazing yes, it, is. it made me so excited it actually made oh, me so lovely. excited to give birth I was like oh this is gorgeous oh it's lovely it's fantastic and even when they have their baby from the UK where postnatal you're in a ward with a curtain between you here it's like a five-star hotel yeah your husband can stay with you which i think is so important it that's not allowed in the uk because of obviously the nhs is pushed to its limits a lot and um, there's just not the space or the facilities for the husband so here for the husband to stay it's it's amazing because no woman wants to be have their baby and then the husband gets sent home they want yeah. they want the, the husband there with them sharing that experience with them but then on the other hand the women get the time to bond with their baby just there's them and their baby which is beautiful they get that time to just focus on the breastfeeding just them and baby so again pros and cons yeah there's completely. no right and wrong it just depends on the individual both have good both have bad so we just and, have to um, adapt for dubai mums to be like me can you let us know what to expect um during obviously these crazy covid times so you work at alzara um what can we expect and i know that certain hospitals have their own specific ways of doing things but if you are with alzara for example what can we expect when we are coming in and we're in labor things have changed at the moment and it's unprecedented times and we're just looking i can only speak for alzara i can't speak for any other hospitals but any changes that have that have been made at the hospital it's only in in the interests of the mum and the baby and also the staff because we've got to be protected as well we've got families and children at home so at the moment the changes are um you're only allowed one birth partner and they can't be swapped. So you can't have one person come in and halfway through swap for somebody else. Um, and it's just to protect the women and the babies that are on the unit. You know, babies are so vulnerable. We don't want different people coming and going, coming and going. So it, at the moment, it's just one birth partner, no swapping. If you do have to go to OT, which is operating theatre, then they're not allowing anybody to go with you at the moment but you will have your midwife or your obstetric nurse with you uh, and again that's because the ot is a sterile area mm. we've got to keep it we've got to keep it like that you know you don't want any potential viruses or bugs going into that area so if you need um, to go for an emergency c-section um you'd have your midwife with you but for example let's say your husband is your birthing partner he'd have to wait outside Yes, and okay. it, it is it is so challenging and the husbands are hurt by this because they obviously want to be there when the baby's born and the women don't want to be alone but they just have to rest assured that they're not alone, they have their doctor with them, they have their midwife with them and they will get really, really taken care of and when they're out they go straight to the postnatal area and the husband is waiting for them. We just, it's it's hard times, I'm not saying that's right and I know it's it's so hard and it's frightening and but we've got to just put safety as paramount at the moment with what's going on and also 
water births have stopped at the moment because there's been evidence that um, the coronavirus can actually be in feces. So it's more to protect the baby and also the person who's caring for you as well. So I know things aren't the norm at the moment, but we're doing our best and safety is paramount. And when, when, when a woman arrives at the hospital in labour, will she be tested for coronavirus or only if she symptoms? The last couple of days, they've decided that everyone should be tested. So the, the last, this is literally really new. It's only, it's only been literally three days that this decision is being made that all women who come should be tested and go from there so every labour and woman that's coming into the unit at the moment is having a coronavirus test so that we can keep everyone safe basically is her birthing partner tested as well not at the moment okay i know that's slightly contradictory at the moment but masks have to be kept on at all times with the birthing partners as well and we're all wearing masks 24 7 does um the woman in labour need to keep her mask on as well they do at the moment yes we there there is it's not always viable don't get me wrong because when women are in the height of labor and they just pull off the mask what can you do but we've got our masks on to protect us and the birth partner's got their mask on and they're also looking at the moment at the use of entonox because there's not much evidence at the moment as to whether you know women inhale and exhale and inhale and exhale and whether that's safe so that's is that the gas in be, air? Yes, yes. So okay. that's to be to be updated. They're just waiting for more recent evidence on that at the moment. But for now, you're using gas in air? Yes, but they are looking at as to whether they're going to continue. And how has it been for you to be a midwife during this time? It's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes there's times you're afraid to go to work because you don't know. You know, the incubation period is up to 14 days, so a woman may come in with no signs and symptoms. And as a midwife, you you will hold someone's hand, you will get up and close to them, and you forget about your own safety because it's in your heart. It's, mm. it's in your heart to be a midwife, that you're there to help the women. You can't stand two metres away and leave somebody and not hold the hand. So it, it's hard, it's really hard. And yet this time, you know, I'm coming home and my children are waiting for me and they're wanting to give you a hug and I'm telling them to back off, wait. I'm having to take my shoes off at the door, take my clothes off, go and shower. And then that's the only way they can come near me. So it is hard because you're supporting other women to become mothers, but then you're coming home and you're telling your your own children, back off, wait. I'm sorry. You're going. Sometimes I'm sneaking in, trying not to wake them because it's just their natural instinct to run over. Mummy, mummy, give you a hug and a kiss. And for you to tell them, back, wait, wait, stay away. And the dad's like pulling them away from you because he's petrified. He's so afraid of the children potentially getting it it is hard it is and and do you have to stay two meters away while you're doing your job i mean it's impossible yeah how does that even work exactly it's just impossible so all the midwives the doctors and the obstetric nurses they are putting themselves at risk right now but 
it's it's really hard there's no right and wrong but let me tell you we don't stay we don't stay two meters apart we do hold the woman's hand we do mock the woman's brow we do what's what's needed it's impossible for to to look after a labouring woman and stay two meters apart Mm. it really is and and obviously you're being tested regularly yourself as well so I guess that gives you peace of mind too yes yes and we do have full PPE which is one positive thing mm. um we do have all the necessary protective equipment that we need you know it might seem a little bit alien to be walking into the room with gloves masks full PPE from head to toe shoe covering hair covering um goggles but we've got to be safe so at least yeah. we can still continue to do our job I almost I almost feel sorrier for the ladies who went into labor and had their babies at the beginning of this pandemic because we're almost getting a bit used to it now like seeing yeah. someone in full PPE like even today I was at Alzara and they've now got at the reception they've got these sort of like plastic barriers they take your temperature everyone's in PPE but we've come to kind of it's a new normal but if you gave birth at the beginning of this pandemic I can imagine that being really quite scary because we're just not used to it are we no no it's sad it really is but we've got to protect everyone not only that we've got to protect the women from us you know we don't know if we've picked it up so we've got to keep that full PPE on because we don't want to potentially put anybody else at risk so it's just the best thing at the moment and we're lucky here because we do have that personal protection yeah so other countries are are short on it so we've got to take the positive that we're lucky we've got full ppe we're fully protected we're wearing it we're protecting the women we're protecting ourselves so as sad as it may be at the moment it is the new norm and there's nothing we can do about it we've just got to be grateful that we've got all that equipment and other countries don't have so yeah completely and I have I have read some really positive birth stories during this time that some women were really anxious and scared but it actually was a real blessing because there were less people in the room they got to just enjoy that time with with them and their their part their birthing partner whoever that might be and actually having that kind of you know, not having lots of visitors and it being less people actually was was a really positive thing. Yeah, yeah, we've got to just focus on the positive. They're getting that time as a family to bond when there's a lot of pressure sometimes. The baby's born and all the family come. Don't get me wrong, it's because they're so excited and a baby is such a special, amazing, fantastic experience and it just brings, brings so much love and so much joy. But... We've, we've got to just take the positive it's also a, such a special time for mum and dad and sometimes they don't get that time because there's so much extended family yeah. so just focus on the positive it's you know when a new baby it, it that time is so precious and it goes so quick that it probably should just be mum and dad it's their baby it's their time to bond so we should just focus on that that being a positive at the moment Absolutely. Um, Leanne, I want to ask you, what are some pregnancy and birth myths that you would like to officially debunk for us? Because I, I have been, since I found out I was pregnant, there's lots of, sort of old wives tales and things that you're told, um, some of which are not based on a lot of evidence. 
<laughs> one thing is um i was in labor for 40 hours yeah it's yeah, not yeah, true. yeah please it's not true you may have been in the latent phase of labor which is the early stages of labor but you weren't in active labor for 40 hours it doesn't happen um, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. Your body wouldn't sustain active labor for 40 hours. Your baby wouldn't be able to tolerate it. Um, you may The latent phase is up to four centimeters and it's where you've got a long cervix and you may be in discomfort and you may be in pain. There's no arguing about that, but you're not in active labor for that long. Active labor is from three to four centimeters you're getting strong painful regular contractions um so that's one thing i would like to clear up nobody is in active labor for that long because your obstetrician wouldn't allow it there would be some sort of intervention your body wouldn't sustain that and um, also a dry birth i don't feel there's people will say oh i had a dry birth there's no such thing so that's another one um What's a dry um, birth? I haven't heard that one. Where there's no, this is, this, I heard that a lot in the UK. Oh, I had a dry birth where there's no water. The body lubricates in them areas. So there's no such thing. And they'll say it's, it's much harder and it, do, it doesn't exist. I'm glad you've not heard of it. So I haven't that heard myth that is one. So good. So I'm glad. So maybe that myth, myth is actually now people aren't hearing it no more. Um, or not any others that I can think of. That's really it. I would just say a lot of people will tell you the horror stories. You don't, 99, 90% of people will tell you how horrendous it is and how this and how that. People tend to focus on the negative. You don't have people telling how beautiful it can be and how easy it can be. And it can be. It's not all the horror stories that you hear. I would say to these pregnant women, just go with the flow. Everyone's birth is individual and different. You can't take anybody else's experience. You can only take your own. Everybody's body's different. Everybody labors differently. Everybody's perception of pain is different. So just go in with an open mind and go with the flow. It's individual for you. Your labor is for you and it's individual for you. So don't listen to anybody else. Just go with an open mind and go with what's happening for you as an individual. I've got a question for you about waters breaking. Okay. So a lot of the time we see on movies, a woman, she'll be in the supermarket, big gush of water. Quick, let's go to the hospital. My water's broken. But as we know, some women have to have their waters broken for them. And then other ladies right. have heard their waters didn't break. So what is the whole water breaking? And if you're at home and you want to stay at home for as long as possible for, your, for the first part of your labor, but your water's broken, I've also heard people say, ah, oh, but if your water's broken, you must go to the hospital because there's a risk of infection. So what, is the, what are the facts about waters breaking? Okay, so... If your waters break, it doesn't, if it's your first baby, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have your baby imminently. Sometimes your waters may break and you may not have contractions. Um, if your waters break and it's not clear, not clear water, then 
that's that that can be potentially risky because sometimes your baby may have pooped inside um, I would always advise every woman no matter what whether they've pain or no pain they should immediately go to hospital not frantically by all means not like wow we've got to get there right now but they should if your waters break you should call the hospital and you should go in because we need to check that it is clear that your baby's happy um, so you may you you may not Im imminently have your baby when your waters break but you need to go to hospital to check on the well-being of the fetus and to check that everything's nice and normal um, and you may get sent home then if you've no contractions you may only be in the early stages of labor but you do need to come to check everything's mm -hmm. okay and then a plan will be made from your doctor as to where to go from then uh, sometimes you may get you may get to go home and come back in a couple of hours because after so long you do there is risk of infection if your waters have broken for a certain number of hours and contractions haven't started then there does need to be some intervention because the bag of waters is a bag of protection protecting your baby from mm. infection so after so long you may need antibiotics if, the, if your waters have been broken for so long and contractions haven't started so I would advise any woman if your waters break you need to go to hospital just for a monitoring of your baby and to check that everything's okay and what about women whose waters don't break some some women's waters don't break until the very end if you're going for everything nice and natural then there's occasions where babies are born in the bag of waters and there's no intervention there may sometimes if you're in if you're for example in, in induced labor then part of that process is to break your waters before you go onto the drip it's just individually it's individual so it doesn't it's not there's no set path for anybody it's individual for each patient and um their circumstances but please let me stress if your waters break you need to go to hospital to go it doesn't yeah it doesn't mean there's anything wrong it doesn't mean you'll be kept in hospital but you do need to go to check on baby and on, on mum so it is so it can happen that you start to get some contractions you might get your show um but your waters don't break until further down the line so that is that is quite normal as well is it yeah that's normal. okay that's, that's fine it's normal every pregnancy is different there's no set path but that's fine that's not a problem I think a lot of us um, sort of expectant mums with our first, you sort of, because of what we're conditioned to believe and what we've seen, it's like your water's break. On the movies and yeah. the media. Ah, got your water, baby's coming. Get going, yeah. But I know yeah. from, from hearing other real stories from women that it just isn't always that way. Like it's completely different for every woman. Yes, it really is. It's just, I think that's just... Um, the media and the movies you see the waters break you ah baby's coming sometimes that does happen you know if you've had a couple of babies if it's your third baby and your waters break um it's very likely baby's going to follow pretty soon after because your body's done it before your cervix is open slightly and things are much quicker with the more babies you have but if it's your first baby then it doesn't necessarily mean that. Don't get me wrong again. There's no set path. Some women, it's the first baby, the waters break and things are very quick. We just can't. There's no set path. Everything's mm. individual. And um, 
out of you must have seen I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of births are there any that really stick in your mind of course they're all so beautiful in their own way but are there any that you just like you'll always remember and hold dear I think probably the first birth that I that I seen even as a student I'll never forget it was magical it was immense it was crazy it was I had to stand against the wall because I think I was going to slide down it because nothing can prepare you for it but what what really sticks in my mind is baby being put put onto mum and that look of love it makes me feel up now that mm. look of love as they're both looking at each other and oh it's nothing like it it's amazing as mum's just looking at the baby and you can see it in their eyes and then the, my first one I remember mum saying to dad look what we've done look what we've made and then both looking at baby it, as I say I'm filling up now even talking yeah. about it because it was that amazing and each birth is but I'll always remember that one and that was her words she looked at her husband and said look what we've done look what we've made and it was just beautiful that look that look in a woman's eye looking at the baby the first time there's nothing like it there's nothing that matches it it's just so magical oh don't every immense. time I watch one born every minute I end up in floods of tears I'm literally just like do I this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen <laughs> My husband goes, please turn it off. You do this all day. How can you watch it as well? And I'm shouting at the telly. Going, oh, it's just, it's a passion. It really is. And it's beautiful. I'm so lucky and so privileged to do the job that I do. I really am. And I know that it's fantastic. Uh, you're honestly an angel because, I mean, I from, from friends of mine that have had their babies um, in the UK, they're literally just like, I couldn't have done it without my midwife. I could not have Aww. done it without my midwife, you know? Um, and I just think it's one of the most important and incredible jobs. Um, so, yeah, it's well done because you are doing such amazing work, honestly. Um, we're going to do a bit of a quick fire round now. Okay. So what's your one piece of advice for first-time mums? Don't listen take it make it your own experience and don't be set rigid in I want this I don't want this I don't want that just go with the flow each step of the way that's all I was gonna ask you that again Leanne because it just I just lost you halfway through um what's your one piece of advice for first-time mummies I would say just go with the flow. Each birth is in, each pregnancy and birth is individual. Don't listen to anybody else. Listen to yourself. Go with your everybody. Every's everybody's experience is so different. Everybody's body is different. So don't be rigid in. I want this. I don't want this. I don't want that. Just go with the flow. As I say, so long as you have healthy baby, healthy mummy, that's the main outcome. And don't be too hung up if things don't go to plan because first time labour is a trial. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So go with the flow. That's all I can say. Go with it. What will be, will be. So long as you've got healthy mummy, healthy baby, that's the main thing. What's one thing you've learnt about yourself after becoming a mum? <laughs> I am... Um, 
I can survive with zero sleep. <laughs> That's one definitely thing. Um, and the love that you have for your child, you, you'll, it's, you'll do anything for them. I don't think you can ever love anyone as much as you love your child. It just, it just comes and it's just there. And you'd literally, you'd cut your arm off for them. It's so unconditional. And it's such a precious, precious gift. It's beautiful. And I've learned that I've got much more patience. And as I say, I'm a warrior. I can survive on zero sleep. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Definitely. You don't think you can. Before I used to sleep continue. I could sleep for like 20 hours, I think, before I had children. And then when you're pregnant, you start to wake up during the night and you yep. start pulling your hair out thinking, why am I awake? And that's mother nature getting you ready for them sleepless nights. That's all I can say. It's all happening for a reason. Nothing happens by chance. It's getting you ready for those nights to be prepared to wake up for your baby. Yeah, I'm at that stage now. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's one thing you you'll wish never have a, sorry you'll never have a full night's sleep again from now that's all i can say <laughs> yeah that's why i'm trying to make the most of it now um what's one thing you wish someone had warned you about before you became a mum um it's not it's not always easy there is challenging times and i don't know really nothing really because I sort of I was a midwife before I was a mum so I was sort of ready for it I feel but even as a midwife I still had even though I was a midwife I've never been a mum and there's a complete difference in that so it's it's just nothing I don't know I don't I think I do feel as I was prepared I was fully prepared for it because I was a midwife, so I find that one a little bit hard to answer. I think being a midwife is probably the best training ground as well, isn't it? Because of yeah. course it's different yeah. when you have your own, but you know, you know what you're, you know what you're signing up for. You know, you know what uh, yeah. what's going to come. Um, I just took the motherhood very easily because mm. of that, to be honest. So everything was as it should, and there were no like, massive surprises. No, no, definitely not. No massive surprises. Tell a lie, I think one was breastfeeding. I didn't realise how uncomfortable it could be mm. and how much of a dedication it is. You know, it really is. It's you dedicate you're dedicating the next few months of your life to just being a, a milkmaid basically, but it's so rewarding as well on the on the plus side. That's one thing I don't think I appreciated how much and giving your all who's into breastfeeding really didn't until I had my own and I used to give all this advice to the women about breastfeeding and it wasn't until I'd done it myself I was like wow this is really really intense and but now you've done it yourself that probably helps you more when it comes to yeah. helping women with with their breastfeeding and now until women, them first two weeks I think you the, I sort of used to watch um used to I got taught that you know it's so easy and it's so natural and the baby will be born and the baby crawl to the breast and you don't need to do anything and that's quite unrealistic because it's a new skill it's a new skill for mum it's a new skill for baby and it takes practice and there's lots of um 
lots of little challenges along the mm. way. So I think the first two weeks of breastfeeding is damn hard because it's new for mum, it's new for baby. Your nipples are so sore, you're getting used to it, you get, you're, you're coming over all them different challenges. And once you crack it, then it is easy. But yeah. you need to just stick with it. But all I can say is once you've cracked it and baby's cracked it, it's a pleasant breeze. But there, you do have them challenges up until that moment. And that's one thing I sort of wasn't prepared for, even as a midwife, until I, I went through that myself. And I tell all the women now, you know, the first few weeks are not going to be a breeze. You're going to have struggles. You're going to be tired. You know, you're going to have times where you don't quite know what's happening. But it's new for you. It's new for baby. Stick at it. And then it becomes easy and beautiful. Yeah. And don't be too hard on yourself because it's all new. So Definitely, don't put that yeah. pressure Definitely. on. Definitely. It's, it's, so, it's so hard for mums just having babies and don't put any pressure on yourself for anything. You can only do what you can do and what's right for you. And there's, there is no 100% this is right, that's right. It's what's right for you is the main thing. And you've got to be happy and that's the main thing. Don't put so much pressure on yourself that you're not enjoying it because the main, you want to enjoy this special time. You don't want to spend it stressed out worrying. Oh, but my friend done this and my other friend done that and my sister done this. No, no, no. It's about you and mm. your journey and individual for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, what's your favourite thing about being a mum? Just the love. There's so much love. There's, I'm smiling as I even say that. <laughs> it's, it's something that you can't even describe, that unconditional love between you and your child. It's just amazing, immense. It's fantastic. I often feel guilty for working so much and my children say, Mum, but so what? You're doing it for us. And I can see the love in their eyes and nothing, nothing matches it. That love in your heart for your child, it's just amazing fantastic words can't describe and finally what does motherhood mean to you in three words three words joy unconditional and love that's what i would say joy unconditional and love i think people know nothing about that unconditional love don't they and it's and and i can't like I have an idea, but I'm, that's one of the things I'm so excited about is just to have this little thing in my arms that is that you just oh. feel that that powerful love for. It's because um, yeah. it's what our mums and and dads and you know our families talk about. But I think until you've obviously experienced it yourself, yeah, um, you know, I just yeah, I, I can't I can't wait for that feeling. And worry, let me add worry to that as well. Because I think from the minute you're pregnant up until forever, you've got that worry because you just care about them that much and you want everything to be perfect for them. So I think as a mum, you're always going to worry and that's going to be one thing that's always there. So joy, unconditional love and worry. <laughs> yeah, unconditional love can count as, uh, as one word. As one, yeah. yeah. The, the worry is funny because I remember when... I was lucky enough to tell my mum that I was pregnant. She was visiting at the time and I was only six weeks. And I was like, oh, oh mum, I just feel so worried. Like, I just, I want this little thing to be okay. And she's like, P, you will never stop worrying. 
Like yeah. this is it now. Never, never. Like you will never stop worrying. And it's so funny because it's like you just become so obsessed. Like my baby's not even born yet and I'm obsessed with her. And yeah. I worry and it's like, oh, this is, this is, this is it now. You know, I'm just going to worry about her forever. <laughs> yes. I remember when my, when my first was born and I said to me, mom, mom, I'm worried. I'm so worried. And she, about, I've got this little human being and their life is in my hands and I've got to keep them safe and do everything for them. And is this worry ever going to go? And she said, no. Yeah, That's just mum. Part of being a mum, she said, "I worry more now for you now that you're big than it did when you were young." Yeah, she said, "It just gets more and more." I think that's just part of being a mummy, definitely. But yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Oh, Leanne, thank you so so much. I know you're working like crazy hours, so I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat to me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, obviously, we've mentioned before, you're at Alzara. So um, if anyone does want to ask for you, I'll put all your information in the show notes. So your full name, um, a link to to Alzara Hospital website as well. I mean, I've been going to Alzara from the beginning of my pregnancy and I'm I'm loving the experience there. Such an amazing hospital. It is. It's fantastic. It's a beautiful hospital. And I just want to reassure all mums that even though this awful thing is happening at the moment, we will take good care of you. We really will. Um, Don't worry. You're in the best hands. You really are. Oh, Leanne, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And you take care and we'll see you soon. And your little beautiful baby girl. (laughs) Well, hopefully you'll be the one delivering her. Fingers crossed. Yes. (laughs) And then we can do another episode all about that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. See how your perceptions have changed. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, I can't wait for that. Leanne, thank you. You take care and get lots of rest because you need it at this time. I will. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much once again to Leanne for her time and knowledge. You can find links to Alzara Hospital's website and social pages in the show notes below. If you'd like to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Bumps and Babies, please do follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. And finally... I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Life School ME the podcast to help us reach and hopefully inspire more listeners. Thank you for listening to Life School, conversations to inspire action.